We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's a true faith Newcastle United podcast. 4-1 winners against Southampton. That was absolutely classy. You've got me, you've got Charlotte, who was at the game, going to talk to us about a magical away end. We've got Cy Campbell and Kyle Thompson. We're going to talk through this unbelievable game of football. Once again, Newcastle United, four goals in a game, four goals away from home, and we didn't really even play that well. That's how good it was. Unbelievable scenes. And I think the most important thing is, Charlotte, I tried to force us into it last week. I tried to tell you we were third. You had to break my heart and tell me that, in fact, Spurs beat Bournemouth. And we're fourth. Well, no longer Newcastle United, the third best team in the Premier League. Charlotte, how does it make you feel? Yeah, as it turns out, you're just you're just a prophet, not like <laughs> someone who misread the the the, the table, <laughs> got overexcited too soon. Yeah, it's class, isn't it? Like now, because of the break before the World Cup, we are definitely going to be in a Champions League place. I think somebody wrote on Twitter as we eat our Christmas dinners. We will. We are. We are. We we can't move like below fourth, um. And as it stands, we're at third. Like that's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous. Like this is we're in the bottom three this time last year, and we're in the top three this time. Like, how does that happen? And yesterday was, of course, absolutely mint. It's probably a conversation for a longer Patreon podcast. We're on Patreon between what three, five, and eight pounds a month. I think our tiers come and join us for lots more of the the content. And we should have a conversation about where this Newcastle United team really are at the minute and maybe we'll talk about it later in the show but Cypher now like Charlotte just says that I don't think I've can recall certainly in recent memory a transformation like this one at a football club it's just I wake up every morning thinking like is this real I can't believe like Champions League football looks like a real possibility for Newcastle United next season yeah yeah it's 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 wild it's wild um it's I wouldn't say it's not happened in my lifetime or anything like that you know um i i've, I've started harking back to the the Pardew season basically because that's the last time we really went on any kind of um run like this at the start of the season and in fact it was very very similar um after after 13 14 games i think we'd lost one to man city um we were sitting in fourth on something like 26 points literally this time in the season with, with Pardew. And then, funnily enough, we then lost 3-0 at home to Chelsea. So hopefully we don't go down that road. I think we'll do one better this time and, and end up, um, you know, uh, seeing it through. Um, but yeah, that season we ended up um, going at the last game of the season with a chance of finishing third. And we didn't have a, a particularly good manager. 
Um, the squad was probably as good, I would say. You know, it's some really good players in that team. We've got some Big really call. good players in this Big team. Call that, Mike. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's probably another podcast Mike, as well. Mike Williamson getting a game for those lads. Like. <laughs> true, true. But you know, we had some, we had some good quality players. But yeah, um, I think the point being, we had some of the, the the promoted lads in that team. We've got some of the promoted lads in this team. You know, it's, it's a, there are some parallels to draw. But we've we've got a much better manager. We've got much better prospects, um, and we certainly weren't on sitting on a goal difference of what seventeen are we on currently? You know, it's mental. That that's 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 the that's the difference here. We are we are not just winning games and grinding out results. We're smashing teams left, right, and centre. And it's yeah, I, I I never really have experienced this before as a Newcastle supporter. Kyle, mate, how how does it feel to you, the the youngest of us four? Yeah, uh, I don't know. You know whether you can hark back to Bobby Robson days, but like I'd say, then that was the last time Newcastle United were a genuinely excellent football team. I think it's fair to say, Leon. I wasn't it, mate. From when I can remember, for, uh, for as long as I can remember, it's the best I've seen we play. Like it's just, it's unbelievable. We're so consistent. We we just seem to have this mentality where they're not going to, they're not going to break at any at any point. It's just, I, I kind of quite wrap my head around it, like how we've went from, as Charlotte says before, bottom three to top three within within a year. Like, the, like the, around this time last year, Eddie Howe went down those steps at Brighton with Amanda Stavely, and we were saying, like, he's got a huge job on his hands. Can he keep Newcastle up? 12 months on, we're talking about Champions League. Like, it's absolutely mental. Like, the closest thing I can draw up as a comparison is when Bobby Robson took over, we're 18th. And he came in an 18 month later win the Champions League. That's the only thing that really comes close in terms of a transformation. I kind of think of any others uh, off the top of my head in terms of like a transformation bot from bottom to top, like like Eddie Howe's done at Newcastle. Let's get into the game that has put us in this third place ahead of another massive week at St James's Park with two key fixtures. Charlotte, you were there. You were on the South Coast yesterday. I think you've used words like it was like a. A wonderful away and I don't know I, I'll stop putting words into your mouth and let you describe it for the listener I mean wonderful is correct but it was magnificent was the word I used like the away end yesterday it was like being at St James's Park almost like Southampton fans knew that they weren't going to get anything from yesterday they were hoping for a point they probably weren't going to get anything um and like from the get-go Newcastle fans were just there for a party like it's a hard place to get to. A lot of people had left in the middle of the night. A lot of people had been drinking, I think, most of the day. Um, and it was just it was just amazing. It was like non-stop singing. You'll hear it on the Match Day podcast that we've got on Patreon. But it was basically like non-stop singing. So many tops off. It is November. It was November the 6th. And they were just so unseasonably warm. I will give them that, but so many tops off. Um, just, just like it feel, it felt like to me like people had started accepting that we that we are class now. Like you know, there was always that kind of fear or like trepidation that crept in, but it feels to me like people are starting to allow themselves to just have the most fun of their life. And um, because they trust that what's going to happen before them on the pitch is going to be good, even if we don't win. Obviously, we did yesterday, and I think we knew that we would against Southampton. They know that the the squad in front of them and the coaching staff in front of them are going to um, like give it their all and, and work really hard. 
and and usually win. So it was just like it's just fun now. People are really having fun with it. It was it was a class it was a class away in yesterday. It was so loud. That description of trust, you know, that there's trust between the players and the manager, the manager to the people that pl- employ him, and, and from fans to all three of those entities. And like watching the game with you, Sai, yesterday, there is just a calmness. There's just a calmness. Yeah. And this has always been what it has been like for teams when they've played Newcastle. So when Newcastle go to Southampton under Ronald Koeman and turn us over 4 0 in consecutive years and 3 0 the next year, which could have been 7 or 8. It's just this kind of like this knowledge that everything's going to be okay. It's a different. It's a different way of consuming your football. I'm not on edge anymore. I'm not kind of constantly thinking one shit back pass, mm. one stupid tackle. If we'd gone behind yesterday, we still would have won. Such was a superiority. Do you, do you see where I'm coming from? And do you feel the same? Uh, sort of, sort of. I, th- I think um, Southampton missed some really guilt edge chances yesterday, and it might have been more interesting. Uh, you're probably right. We probably have got the quality to to win that game anyway. But yeah, I, I totally agree with the, the the initial point. Is that yeah the the uh, the, the drama, the, the 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 fear just isn't there in these games anymore. The the God, I hope we get away with this. I God, I hope we come away with something. It's like all you're sitting there thinking is when we're going to score. Like honestly, you're just sitting there yesterday thinking, well, we'll definitely get a goal here. It's coming. It's coming. You're not thinking, bloody hell, that was close. We're going to get hammered here. <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell, I really hope we we'll hang on. It's just you're right. It is a totally different way to absorb Newcastle game to the point where. I don't know. I don't know what I preferred because I really enjoy the dilemma. The, the 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 stress of football is why it's why it's interesting. Going into every game, knowing you're going to win. Like, at what point is this going to get boring for you? Never, I'm, I'm, ever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being silly, but yeah, it it, it is totally different. It, it's it's weird sitting watching the game so calmly and just waiting for the goals to come and and just kind of watching the other team thinking, bloody hell, like what? How they they're really struggling here against Newcastle, who I'm sure we'll get into it. Didn't even play particularly well. We made a lot of mistakes and. We scored up four chances, basically. Uh, meanwhile, conceding a couple of really good chances to them, especially in the first half, as I said before. So, yeah, it's um, it's for, with with all of that in it, the way it played out, to still not have any real concerns about the result of the match is, is just bizarre. And I'm still, still in November getting used to it. We've got 52,000 come on on Wednesday, Kyle, which in itself is remarkable. It probably won't be commented on that much because people expect it now. You know, gone are the days of, of having to basically give tickets away to get people into the ground. And that was always really positive, cheap tickets to, to get people in. But now people people are paying. There's 52,000 there against a mid-table Premier League side who probably come and do what they did in the league game and just try and frustrate us and park the bus. It, it is getting to the stage now where, like, you think everyone in that away end, I'm jealous. Like, yeah. should I be taking time off? Should I, should I be making more of an effort? Because these these memories and these games are almost like once in a lifetime. Like, yeah. going to Southampton yesterday and being part of that away end like Charlotte was. Like, the the demand for tickets for home games and away games is just absolutely unbelievable, mate. Like, it, well, as, as Newcastle fans, we'll, we've all been on the other end where we've... Where like me and Si were talking, on, uh, talking uh, before about Leicester away a couple of years ago, 5-0 defeat, and we were looking at Leicester at the time, like... What a team you have, like, and and just looking into that own jealousy. But now teams are going to be able to come here and be like that. Bruno Gamaras is unbelievable, isn't he? The Botman, fucking out. like, the they're, they're going to be here and they're just going to be in utter awe of Newcastle United. And it's it, it's nice because it's finally a team that the fan base can have a lot of pride in. Like, I completely fully support this team, and like, it's just. It's just good, to, good to be able to have that trust, as as mentioned before, in the players that they're going to deliver on a 
or, or on a weekend because they've got that consistency, they're together, they've got the play well, they're behind the manager and his ideas. Like it's just it's just a nice place to be at the minute and from what we've been told it's only the beginning, so like it's only gonna get better. So these boring wins Si might get a yeah, uh, they'll never get boring for me. Like I've, I've seen Jeff Hendrick play football for Newcastle <laughs> United. It's like it's <laughs> it, 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 like yeah. watched a bit of him playing for uh, the QPR. Is that Redden? I think Redden. It's QPR Redden. I think was the game um, they were playing on on Saturday night. But yeah, awful, awful, <laughs> terrible, terrible memories. But yeah, I think um, what Charlotte alluded to alluded to there was was very interesting about about how the away day has changed for Newcastle supporters. I'm, I'm kind of talking about watching it at home and I'm just sitting there thinking this is a bit boring. I wish I was there because it looks mint and, you know, sitting watching it on the telly, like after years of going to these games and just being disappointed and watching terrible, terrible football, it's 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 such a different experience for, for an away supporter now because, and I think Norman said it a few weeks ago actually, like he used to go and it was about the day and it was about getting pissed with your mates and just kind of, trying to make something of the occasion whereas now you, you literally you don't want to miss a minute of Newcastle playing at an away game and again I don't think in my lifetime I've, I've been able to go to away games and feel like that um maybe maybe occasionally um but it's it's you know that's a new experience for everybody and, and expecting to go to games and win football matches and not just go to have a good day out is is it's, it's totally new I edited the, the match day podcast that that Charlotte recorded and it's just used to just have to kind of try and pick out bits of audio, chant songs. Newcastle's away sports always been fucking class. But that away end, Charlotte, yesterday just sounded like 90-plus minutes of non-stop noise, celebration, happiness. It's everything that football's supposed to be. Yeah, I have quite aggressive tinnitus now after being there um, for 90, or well, more than 90, wasn't it? It was about 100 minutes yesterday with the other time. It was non-stop and then obviously four goals to celebrate as well. People falling rows in front. Um, lots of lots of men's bodies touching mine because they had their tops off and everybody <laughs> was moving moving around. But um yeah, it was it was just it was something very special. I I I, I don't want to lose sense of that. I tweeted yesterday before the game, like it is so great to be looking forward to going to games. And I sort of did that, like Twitter might be defunct in two months time, I don't know. But I sort of did that because I kind of don't want to forget this like feeling of like excitement in the run up and like being around this, like, I'm saying like a lot, sorry, being around all these fans who are just so happy and deserve, in my opinion, everything that we're getting here and it, it was it was just yeah it was non-stop the songs that were coming out are like are like we're gonna win the league all of that stuff it's just like none of it's tongue-in-cheek either it's just fun and I just I don't know what how else to describe it than fun very very jealous of you being there Charlotte what a day it must have been for what nearly three and a half thousand in that away and we're going to come back with the rest of this podcast after these short adverts if you don't want to listen to this show with the adverts in, come and join us on Patreon for just £3 a month for ad-free podcasts. Back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Charlotte, when we were planning this show, we wanted to know what you guys thought, and you came back to me with a great line. You'd like to talk about how even when we're a bit shit, we're still mint. Yeah. Yesterday, I don't think anyone could say that was our finest performance. In fact, Trippier, after the game himself, said that that wasn't our best performance. We could have been better there. Um we were we were not brilliant. There was some really there was some sloppy passing. There was some like um, tired looking players. I mean, mostly Southampton players. By the end of it, looked absolutely run ragged. But it, this has been a really intense start to our season, um, and you can kind you can kind of tell. Um, I also think we probably knew that Southampton weren't going to trouble us too much, and so. There was that element, um, but yeah, like even even that, you know, a sloppy pass, pass from Botman, uh, uh, some some bad footwork from Elliot Anderson, you know, it does it just didn't matter. Like they just couldn't properly break us down, and there's still, I think, yeah, even when we're a bit shit, there's still the confidence there and from the players that actually it's it's absolutely fine because they know if they have to turn it up a notch they probably do have that in the in the bank it's just that um for for that game like it did, they didn't have to do that and they, they've scored four goals like it, I, I just keep going back to that it's not just our defense is amazing we scored four goals like and that's becoming quite normal now as well Ridiculous. Yeah, since that Ridiculous. since that Bournemouth game, we've scored twenty, conceded four, yeah. and I think three of those four goals were when we had like the B team defence out because Eddie protect all the class lads. Uh, Sai, you you wanted to kind of talk about a similar thing, didn't you? Um, you know, general 
general improvements compared to even this season, even earlier this season, the fact that we're able to go away, like Charlotte says, not be at our best and and kind of in third gear, smashing opposition by four. Yeah, we talk a lot about the, or we have done in, pre, in recent weeks, about the, the Palace and the Bournemouth games at home, but you, you could look at the away games at like Brighton and Wolves in the, in the same vein in terms of we really struggled to break these teams down and also got ourselves in in a bit of pressure from both those sides in terms of we didn't have a lot of the ball. We um, we didn't, when we did have the ball, we were giving it away loads and really not creating much for ourselves. Um, at times yesterday, Charlotte's right, we did the same. We were giving the ball away quite cheaply. And if you look at the stats for the game, I think they had like twice as many shots, four times as many corners. You know, they, they on paper look a bit hard done by and 4-1 probably flatters us. And it pro- it does, it does flatter us a little bit on that performance. I'm, I'm not saying at all that we didn't deserve to win because we did, because we were class. And um, what what's most pleasing now is how dangerous we are that if you give us four chances to score, we're going to score four times now. That's the big difference I'm seeing even from those games earlier in the season because we are the, the confidence is there, but... It is just about like if you give Almiron a, a bit of space, and yet you could go, you could call his goal lucky. I probably would as well because the defender just just sliding through him and then not getting the ball, and then Miggy just being able to put it away was was humorous to watch. But then the next three goals were were just pure class. So you know it was just that 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 wasn't happening early in the season, and that hasn't happened. You know the last season, the games we were winning were a massive grind, and it was like you know we were having to really really push for those goals. Whereas these. You could call them fortunate, but it's just it's just what happens with good teams is that you get given chances and you take them and you don't you don't mess around. What I would also say is um for for this week and last, um certainly in the first half, uh, and Charlotte just used the word there, and I've used it several times in these podcasts, we were a bit sloppy, or some people are describing us as sloppy. Um you could you, you could I can see why people are saying that. I can, I, on reflection, I know why I was saying it, but I think what the difference is compared to those games early in the season, and I'll reference the Bournemouth game as well. It's because we're trying things. It's because when we get the ball, we're looking for that killer pass. We're looking to to be positive instead of just choosing the easy option. At, at Bournemouth, everyone got fr- frustrated and the crowd got pretty angry because we were choosing the easy pass every time and passing it three yards left, three yards right, going to the fullbacks and running out of ideas. Now, I think Eddie Howe's got us confidently playing, trying to play that dangerous ball, trying to play something that if it doesn't come off, it looks sloppy. It looks like you're giving away the ball, but if it comes off, you're in. You're going to score a goal, and that's what we did four times yesterday. For all the times we gave away the ball, for all the times we were a bit sloppy, it's because we're trying to play football and trying to do these things that we're now kind of seeing the results for it, and it's it's absolutely worth the gamble because we've scored how many goals? It's eight in the last two, but what is it? Twenty since Bournemouth. Like yeah. it's that. That's why. It is, and, and it is interesting, isn't it? There, there is kind of this general narrative a little bit that. Uh, you could say we started the Brentford game quite slowly. They had a goal disallowed, and then we kind of kicked them into gear. Villa, we didn't really get going until the penalty. Um, Everton was a was, was a scrap. But then you look at those games, and you look at the the lack of saves Nick Pope has to make. It's almost like other teams are are changing their style against us so much that it it takes that that first goal to break teams down. The difference yesterday, and the difference is those games become more open. I don't watch loads of other top Premier League teams, so if any of you three do, then let me know if I'm mistaken here. But we are a devastating team between the lines, so we are constantly targeting turnovers when the opposition's at the weakest. And to do that, you've got to be so brave. Kieran Trippier yesterday for that for that ball to Joe Willock. Mm. That ball, even though it was, we'll talk about where it came from in a second. That's in a no danger area for Southampton. When Brugamara dispossesses the Brentford lad, there's no danger. When um, last weekend, when 
the ball's played to, to Callum Wilson for that counter-attack in the middle of our own half. There's no danger. So, so, it's, so teams have kind of got, they've got the back four, the back five, and they've got the midfield. We are constantly trying to pick the ball up between those two lines. It's almost like watching rugby. You know, when someone intercepts the ball in rugby, pl- playing across the line, all of a sudden we've got five players bearing down on that goal. I've never seen a team like it. Like Maybe I'm just, well, I am biased towards us, but I've never <laughs> seen a team be able to capitalise so quickly and so efficiently on the failure of others. So when we've got the ball and we're building up play, Yes, we want to do great things with it, and we do do great things with it, but it's almost like Southampton played into our hands yesterday. That goal for um, Willock came from Bruno Gamarish being pressed. It's a counter-attacking goal, and we had the ball. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the, the other teams aren't even attacking us, and we're able to counter-attack. It's magic. I've never seen, I've never seen it before. I'm, <laughs> I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Kyle, what do you make of this conversation about the performance for the result? It's just, like you're totally right though. Like in turnovers, we are like the third goal yesterday with Joe Willock. It really sums up how like we want to play on Daddy Howe in terms of winning the ball high up. Like we're in terms of turnovers this season, I still I think we're still like the the best team for high turnovers. And that third goal yesterday really showed like how the, like how we are winning the ball high up and how we're countering teams and and being able to get get goals even when we have bad performances we can still hit them on the t- high turnovers and they like, like we, we hit southampton totally against the runner play they had they came out first second sorry second half they came out and they looked confident they looked like they were going to score they, they they looked the better side and then we would just go up and score straight away like there's just a like i, I, I keep saying it this is a, a, a really good team mentality amongst the players um, they just they know that they've got the talent in the team. They know that the the there are there are going to be times where they're under the cosh, but they know they can deal with it. And to score against the run of play like they did, especially with the pressure from the home support over Hassenhutl at the time, um, they knew if we get a goal against the run of play when they were playing at their best, just totally broke them. And I think when we went to one up, I think that's where Southampton just like capitulated completely and lost any confidence. Yeah, totally agree, mate. Totally agree. Uh, staying with you, Kyle, you wanted to talk about two players in particular, Willock and Longstaff. And the interesting thing about these for me, mate, when you brought this up, is if we go back to the start of the season, everyone's looking at the midfield. They're talking Joe Linton, John Joe Shelby before he gets injured. And and these guys, particularly Longstaff, probably didn't have a place in a lot of fans starting 11. And would you argue now they're undroppable? <sighs> it, I mean, Sean Longstaff's always been, is this season like, the player that's on the fence, if he makes a mistake, people are shouting the loudest for him to be called off. But against Southampton yesterday, Boren, I think he's miss. He was absolutely outstanding. I think he ran something like tw- just over 12 kilometres yes- yesterday. Um, off the ball, he was absolutely brilliant. They couldn't they couldn't cope. And it was like, that's the Sean Long stuff that Pep Guardiola praised all those years ago when we beat them 2-1 at St. James's. Um, someone who's going who's gonna to work, someone that can... It basically, for this system to work, you need players like Sean Longstaff because if you're going to win in high, tra- we're going to win through high press, through transitions, like winning the ball back as you described before. You need players like Willock who are high intensity, Sean Longstaff who are high intensity, um, and I, f- I just think both both of them to a man yesterday were absolutely brilliant. Like Willock, like will admit has had a couple of sloppy performances this year where he's been like hitty missy on the ball but he's always had that off the ball presence and I think he's even said he certainly needs more goals in his game 
But I, I, I just think yesterday both of them like deserve that little bit that that just deserve that bit of credit because I know we've spoke about the superstars in recent weeks, Bruno and and and, and Botman and and such and such. But I just think yesterday both Sean and Willock were were absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Um, oh, go on, Charlotte. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. We're such a polite bunch. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to touch on those two in particular as well because um, of how much, how exciting this is for their rest of the season because they're both confidence players. Willock lost his confidence in that Steve Bruce side. You know, he helped um, He helped us stay up in the um, 20... Oh, God. T- COVID yeah, made time a flat season. circle. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then we signed him and then and then he sort of just didn't get off to the right start. And I think there's a confidence thing there. We know Sean Longstaff has had severe confidence and self sort of worth issues and things like that. These are players who, yeah, they're not the glittering superstars necessarily, like your Brunos, etc., like Kyle just said, but they're they're gonna be the people who get their head down, work really hard and like get better and better now I think now that they're having good games I mean Longstaff was made Sky's man of the match yesterday for how hard he worked in the midfield and I just I think that that's that's only going to play into um making his game better I think um this is where the the sports science that I'm sure Eddie Howe is much more well versed on than than the rest of us is are uh comes into it because you could easily look at Longstaff's performances in recent weeks and pick on the things that you you notice as a supporter from the stands, which is misplaced passes or not releasing the ball early enough or, or a shot that goes over the bar or a header that goes over the bar. All of these have happened in recent weeks, but what you don't really pick up on is the amount of yards that lad's covered until you see that man in the match um, di- uh, diagram thing come up about the, the place in the pitch where he's winning the ball and all of this, and you just think, bloody hell, he's in, one, he's in every corner of the pitch. He's covering more ground than anybody else. And that's a, as a footballer, that's a really hard thing to do at, at Premier League level. And if you're the opposition midfielder, you, you, you're never, ever, ever getting any space for 90 minutes because Longstaff is always there. Because no matter where he is, no matter where you've lost the ball, he is working and, and getting into that position. So what he lacks in technical ability, you might argue against some of his colleagues in that team, he's, he's cut above them all in terms of that work rate and, and that you need a couple of players in the team that do that to, to give you the balance because if everyone was mint but not covering the same ground, you might not see the same results. We, we lose the ball in the higher positions. If Longstaff's always going to be there, you can trust Bruno to, to make the, what we talked about before, to make those dangerous passes because we can risk losing the ball and trying to find that killer you know, chance on goal because he'll always have that Longstaff or, or Willock. You, you know, he's in the same conversation. Those players will work back and, and make sure that we don't concede a, a, a chance from it. So, yeah, I just think um, you're, st- you're starting to realise why he's been getting picked every week because you could argue that we, we were all quite critical of him earlier in the season. Along with Murphy, you don't really understand what what um, what they're doing in the team when there's better players, arguably, on the bench. But now we've, I fully understand and I can see exactly what, what the purpose of those lads in the team is. Yeah, they've just been Eddie Howard, haven't they? I mean, Joe Willock at £20 million just seems like an absurd deal at the minute. You know, Arsenal very good, top of the league. They're probably not sat there wondering... We're phoning you hard Joe Willock yet until we tear them apart at the Emirates in the start <laughs> in early January. But twenty million pounds for a midfielder who can cover the ground he does, who can link play, who can defend, who can attack, who can score, who can cross. 
he's just he's just like Mr. Midfield, isn't he? He's just he's just my idea in my head of what a midfield player is mm. and should do. And then Longstaff, like you like you've all said, he's just he's just horrible to play against. He, he's he's not a dirty player whatsoever, but he's he's hard in the tackle. He never shirks anything like that. And I think the Spurs game was massive for Longstaff because it, it is nice and it's fine doing it against Brentford and Villa and Everton's non-existent midfield. But he went to Spurs away from home and was again a, a candidate for man of the match there. I mean, this is this is the new Newcastle United. We're, we're picking on these two players this week. We're singing their praises. We're not even going to have time to talk about Miggy. You know, <laughs> se- se- seven in seven. It's just, you know, he'll have to wait until next week until he smashes three in against Chelsea. Kyle, it is a, a real conversation. Probably something we'll touch on at Patreon this week. That midfield's looking crowded. We started this season thinking we're light in midfield. You know, Joe Willock playing left of that midfield. He's made this position his home, his home, his own, and his home. Joe Linton's got is is looking for a way back in, and this is kind of the new conversation with Newcastle United. It's like there's lads on social media and lasses kicking off that Dan Byrne doesn't get a game for England at centre back, right? To be fair, lads, he doesn't get a game for us at centre back, and it's the same with Joe Linton. You know, Joe Linton has been class, but. He can't, you know, it, does he get in the Newcastle team in midfield? He didn't play the last two games there. Like, it's a, it's such a problem. It's, it's a nice problem for Eddie Howe, mate, but it's a, it's a, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think it's a, I think it's like the best problem ever because like, how many years have we been like so short and people are like, oh well, if they don't start, where like we're so short in terms of quality, it just seems now whenever someone gets injured or if someone gets suspended or whatever, like the next man up mentality is definitely something that's in that team. It's embedded in the team. Um, so, like, if we were to lose, like, Sean Longstaff to injury, Joe Linton can come in, or John Joe can come in. Like, it's just, it just seems that at the minute we've got that quality and depth. We didn't think we'd have it this early because we thought we'd have to bring in a couple of players first. But a lot of those players, since the takeover, that were there pre-takeover, have really stepped up their game because they want to be a part of this process. I think, I think John Joe said it best. Like, I might not be in the team for... Like a good, like, like I might not get get in the team in a couple of years' time, but I I want to be a part of this project, and I think I think it's really like gave them the kick up the arse that they needed. Um, for for a lot of them in any way that if that are playing every week and playing well, like as Sai says before, like Sean Longstaff is isn't like the best technically gifted player, but running over twelve kilometers a game will get you somewhere. Like it's not just that he's running around like a headless chicken. Like he's 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 doing meaningful things in transition and being a part of the formation. So yeah, long may it continue. It may cause a couple of headaches at, um, among the staff, but it's probably the best headache you you could have in in football. All your players playing well and trying to pick who who's going to play in what team. But I think even if one was to get dropped, there wouldn't be a major issue. And I think that's the that's the best thing. It's got it's that team mentality. Uh, that Eddie Howe's really built in Newcastle, and I think it's uh, it's fantastic. Fantastic it is, Charlotte. Let's let's talk ceilings here. You know, Jurgen Klopp loves talking about the ceiling of Newcastle United. They're up for sale. Didn't see that coming, but Newcastle United are class, I suppose. Going to send some people into some sort of you know need to sell my asset now before it's worth nothing because it doesn't get into the Champions League behind Newcastle United. Charlotte, I'll put this to you. If Chelsea under Graham Potter had enjoyed the form that we have enjoyed recently and sat in third place, only a couple of wins away from the top two, they would be talked about as title challenges for sure. Where do you uh, gauge Newcastle United to be in the title challenge conversation? We're in that conversation, aren't we? We have to be. We're third uh, with a fantastic goal difference. 
with a with a with an unbelievable momentum behind us we're in that conversation look it's not easy it's not going to be it's not supposed to be easy it wasn't supposed to be this easy to get this far up the table this soon um and I don't think actually I think it would be doing a disservice to our players to say that it it, it has been easy um because they've worked really fucking hard um but we the ha- you can't have that conversation at the moment in my opinion without having us there Chelsea Arsenal Newcastle uh, you know I don't think Spurs are in the conversation they're so weird and hit and miss and um and Liverpool certainly aren't um who else who else who else is in that I don't I don't know if we if we can win the league this this season I certainly think it's on it's on the cards for us um in the next you know couple of seasons but I think we're in the conversation I definitely definitely think that that there's probably an outside chance I love it. I love it, Charlotte. I'm so pleased you said that because there there is kind of this natural recoil from from a lot of supporters about this, about getting ahead of yourself. No one's getting ahead of anything. Newcastle are quite worthy third place place team in the league. We are the third best team in the league. We are, but by a distance, Charlotte. You li- you listed off those team there teams there full of flaws, full of flaws mm. and problems and issues to address. Full of players at the World Cup. Full of you know difficult financial circumstances in January. Newcastle United are not flawed. Newcastle United are a team on the up who have, you know, I, I would say got the better of, even if the points didn't come our way, um, Spurs, Liverpool and Manchester City this season comfortably. I thought Newcastle in all of those three games should, should have won those games. They only won one of them, but they should have won all three. And whilst this is all very new for us, it's new for a lot of our players. Eddie Howe at the start of the season, you know, he's done a podcast today with um, with Jake Humphrey and he, and he said that in his head, the goals for the season are ultra clear and communicated to the players. Now, we don't know, he won't, he won't be drawn on it publicly. I don't think anyone in that change room or in that football club is sat there now thinking, oh, I'm, I'm glad to be third. This is the highlight of the season. It doesn't get any better than here. If we can continue our form, we will be in the conversation to win the league. I don't expect there to be a drop-off of form, and I'll say this and open it to you, Si, if you want to go next. I think it's more likely Newcastle win the league than finish seventh this season because we are that much better than those teams below us at the minute. Yeah, um, I think that's absolutely reasonable to say. Uh, I think you um, you mentioned uh, Simon Bird on the podcast last week that um, would be disappointed now with seventh, and I think you're right. I think if we can go from where we are now and only just scrape into, into the Europe conference or whatever it's called, would would all be a bit disappointing again? That's not us getting ahead of ourselves. It's it's based on what we've seen so far this season. It would take some really bad luck with injuries and and referee decisions and more VAR nightmares like we had earlier in the season because that's the only reason we dropped so many points in the first seven games. Um, it would take some more really bad luck for us not to not to continue to win the number of games it will take to to remain in that conversation. Now, if, if Man City didn't have the world's best centre forward, probably the world's best midfielder in De Bruyne. Probably the world's best keeper. Edison's a really good goalkeeper and, and like a, a three hundred million pound defence. In another year, you'd really, really be talking us up. It's just so hard to see us catching and then succeeding su- them. But I absolutely agree with you. There's no one below us now that I'm worried about. There's no one below us that I expect to maintain the the form we we have built and and you know blown all these teams away. Probably deserve to beat Man U. We did deserve to beat Spurs. Bring on Chelsea on 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 Saturday because um. Because yeah, I, I just I, I don't want to get carried away, but I, I would now be disappointed with 
with not at least a top six. And I think if we drop out the top four, it'll be it'll be because something's gone really badly wrong, not because we're not because we don't deserve it. It, I mean, it, it's just crazy talking about like title contention and and things like that. It just, it just seems to be a bit of a starstruck thing for me. But like, if I think if Newcastle were to finish like seventh, it would be slightly disappointing considering the start of the season. It it, it feels mad to even say that, <laughs> but like. It, it, yeah, just with the way that we've played and how we've demolished some teams, like scoring four against Southampton, only a couple of years ago we're winning the Southampton Cup for finish up, finishing above them. Do you know what I mean? So like, just just the way we're playing, and and like, I think like 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 size correctly said, I think it'll take like a, it will take an injury crisis or something like that. But the scary thing about this Newcastle team is we're not we're not at full strength. It, like Maximin is only slowly getting like thingied into the team. Uh, Isak is still to come back from injury and we've still got a January transfer window as well which we'll, we'll probably be looking to invest in another couple of top quality players so like I, I, I don't want to say title race because I, I just feel stupid for saying it for some reason I don't know why but on the basis of Newcastle performances I'd probably say they're one of the best teams in the league but like I, I feel daft for saying it but definitely contention for top four like that's even mad in itself I feel like I'm dreaming but like yeah, <laughs> top four would be like amazing Champions League football because that team currently could hold its own in the Champions League. I've no doubt about it. So, yeah, bring bring on Chelsea Saturday. Yeah. Some game, that Chelsea game. I cannot wait. 5.30, we can give it everything before the World Cup. Chelsea in terrible form. If I'm talking about Champions League and I'm talking about potential title challenges at least... That is a game that screams, you've got to go there, you've got to take three points. And I, and I fully believe we will, of course, but it's nice to have these little tests. I mean, Southampton, in a way, there are all these games, okay, that we keep winning. They're supposed to be difficult. Everyone said, oh, Fulham, sixth in the league when we went to Fulham, above us in the league. Fulham's a hard game. Take a point. Smash them. Villa, great win the previous week. Smash them. Everton come with a defensive structure and they'd lost a couple of games, but you know it was a bigger game for Everton than it was for us. Didn't smash them, but won kind of again without really breaking sweat, not not having a shot. We've got a man, new resurgent Manchester United. We should have won the game in the first half. Bit of luck, we would have won that game. Spurs away, third in the league when we played them. Really hard game that you take a point, won it quite comfortably. And then yesterday again, uh, Chelsea went to Southampton and got beat. And Arsenal went to Southampton and could only get away with a draw and a fortunate draw. And again, it was just easy. And that's the confidence. I take confidence from all of that and from what I see other teams doing, like we've discussed. It's not just that we're fucking class, because we are. It's that it's one of those seasons that apart from the top two, and there's a lot of will they, won't they, but Arsenal, one of the youngest teams in the league, average age of 24, soon as it starts to go against them, how will they cope with it? And that's a question quite rightly asked of us as well, because we've been behind in games for about five minutes this season, which is another mental statistic. Um, I just can't wait for the rest of the season. If we didn't have another game this week, I'd be absolutely buzzing for for Saturday night. But like, let's beat Palace and let's let's win the fucking cup as well. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks so much to you three for your time. Been a pleasure talking to you as always. Thanks to everybody who listens to the True Faith podcast. We are absolutely buzzing to do these podcasts because it's a pleasure to support Newcastle United at the minute. Me, Si and Charlotte will be back after the Palace game with a quick pod after that one and then back next Sunday morning for hopefully a memorable night or discussion about a memorable night against Chelsea at St James's Park. We're on Patreon. If you like what we do, come and give us a listen. We'll do loads more of these podcasts 
every single week and you've got a back catalogue of about 1800 podcasts if you want to go back through the miserable years and all of that it's all there between five and eight pounds a month for that one thanks very much for listening bye-bye